Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Things are getting real. The Tennessee Titans roster is down to 53 players. Practice squad is pretty full. Yes, there's a kicker. Two kickers between those two groups, actually. Um, there there are a few more draft picks who are gone at this point. It, uh, I think you can call it an eventful set of cuts that got to the Titans, that got the Titans to this point. Uh uh, coming off a seven and ten season, Rand Carthen, a new general manager, obviously, and and coach Mike Frabel shook some things up, made some changes, and uh, and and we will get right to that uh, in this edition of the Believe in Titans podcast. Uh, with tonight, uh, no Denard Walker. Denard is uh, is otherwise occupied this week, but he will uh, he will be back in the fold next week. But I am David Beauclair, joined as always by John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? Sir, thank you. Doing good. Well, let's uh, let, let's look at some of the uh, some of the headlines, I guess, in terms of the uh, the roster moves. Uh, among the players who were cut were 2021 draft pick Racy McMath, a, a wide receiver who, of course, has tantalized at times the last couple of years, but but never has become a uh, a, a consistent producer for this team. 2022 draft pick Chance Campbell, who's had two really good preseasons, statistically speaking, but got hurt last year and uh, and and got pushed out this year. Um, Hassan Haskins, last year's rookie running back, uh, considered at that time the heir apparent to uh, Derrick Henry. He is uh, he is on the commissioner's exempt list, which basically makes him persona non grata that is not a team decision of course that is a league decision uh it's discipline it is related to the off-field domestic violence incident in which he was engaged and how long he will be on the commissioner's list is uh is not clear at this point i i think the way the roster shakes up and we'll probably talk about this more it uh it'd probably be fine with the Titans if, if he ends up with a red shirt year here, I think they feel pretty good about their running back position. Uh, Tennessee also claimed defensive back Kendall Vildor off, uh, off waivers from the Chicago bears, a guy who's been primarily a cornerback, but as his career has gone on and that's three seasons now, um, he sort of, it seems like has transitioned into more of that, that, inside guy kind of safety guy uh that that you know that they just call him a defensive back although on the titans current roster he is listed as a cornerback again so we will we will see what all that means as uh as the see as he settles in with this team and uh so some interesting names who made it it was uh it was good if you were an undrafted rookie on this team to have the last name jackson Wide receiver Kiaris Jackson and uh, and safety Matthew Jackson both made it. Jackson is a uh, is a hometown kid from Hillsboro High School right here in Nashville. Colton Dowell, the uh, the late round pick in this year's draft, the wide receiver out of UT Martin and in, in nearby Mount Juliet, Tennessee, also made it. And uh, 
I, I think the the one guy who was not a surprise among the undrafted who made it was uh, was edge rusher Caleb Murphy, who was one of the most consistently productive players in the uh, in the preseason. Uh, three quarterbacks uh, sticking around. Not everybody took that approach. We'll see how how long that lasts for the Titans and uh, and who will be the emergency third string quarterback in in week one and going forward. All these are uh, uh, all these are interesting developments, I think. And uh, we should also note that that Dylan Radens was removed from the physically unable to perform list is on the active roster, and which means they think he he might be available to play in some regard in the opening weeks of the season. So, so John, that that's a lot going on there. Uh, you tell us where to start. What, what was sort of the most interesting development for you as you, uh, as you studied this thing? You know, honestly, in the, in the past few days, we've, we've had, uh, you know, some, certainly as, as you mentioned there, all kinds of things going on, but I, I still go back, you know, even before the cuts uh, as to the guys that we saw on our, on our first practice, uh, following training camp um, and some surprises there and some some big names returning to the to the field that we didn't necessarily you know expect to, to return so uh, so quickly uh, you know Traylon Burks was was out there Monday and and that you know was, was probably the biggest surprise uh, and and extremely welcome news to the Titans and Titans fans this is 12 days after this guy suffered an LCL injury and you know we we initial reports were that it wasn't a very severe sprain but nonetheless there's still a pretty wide range of, of how long an LCL uh can keep you out but here he is uh not not just you know out there standing and watching his teammates but he's going through drills you know i would say that in what we watched it was less than full speed but but you know uh, no brace no wrap anything like that on his knee um, you know, he made a nice one-handed catch while we walked. He went up in the air, came down on one leg, no problems. Uh, that's a huge uh, development, you know, obviously for the Titans. You know, it takes so much weight off DeAndre Hopkins. It adds another element to Ryan Tannehill's passing game. You know, it, it's just a, it's a big, big development. You mentioned Dylan Radens, too. Um, guy tore his ACL in December. December, uh, yeah. So, you know. And he's a big man. Big man, yeah, right. We we thought it might be a little bit more time, but here he was out there. And again, you know, there was not a brace on him. Uh, He's going through drills, you know, uh, you know, light contact and and so forth for for an offensive line drills. Um, So that's a development too. Uh, And you know, there's one school of thought that says, "Hey, is he?" You know, is he maybe the guy now at right tackle? You know, because of course the Titans have had so many questions at right tackle. Um, you know, with Nicholas Petit Frere sidelined with a suspension, Chris Hubbard is there. Uh, you know, Justin Murray is kind of pushing him a little bit. So some people are saying, hey, maybe Dylan Raidens, but I, I don't know if I'd go too far in that area because if we all remember, they wanted to make Dylan Raidens a right tackle desperately going into this ago. Yeah. yeah, that was the whole focus of the offseason was, you know, he's going to be our guy. We're committing to Dylan Raidens at right tackle. No more a swing guy. He's the right tackle. And they did that through the whole offseason and through a good deal of training camp and decided he's not a right tackle. And and since then, it was he's going to be a guard. Um, so it's important that, that he's back in terms of depth and, and experience a little bit. 
but I'm not sure he's the answer at right tackle. And then the, finally, the third guy uh, who came out for the first time in a while was Monty Rice, the uh, inside linebacker who we hadn't seen since the first preseason game. You know, he played a handful of snaps and then was gone. Uh, and and we assumed it was injury, uh, or at least a lot of us, including yours truly, assumed it was injury because sometimes you see guys around the field and maybe they're doing exercises or something like that and you can't really report on it but you just kind of make a mental note and say oh that guy's coming back from injury you know kind of kind of the case maybe with 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 rice there but so i asked him in the locker room uh you know after this practice i said you know monty is, is it good to be coming back you know uh, you were kind of penciled in as a starter and then the injury hurts were you were you kind of frustrated by that and he said injury i said well i guess i assumed it was an injury and and I uh, said, uh, don't assume anything. Uh, I said, well, I, I guess I have to ask you, what, what was it? Uh, and he said, life, life and God. That's about the best way to put it. And I, I couldn't bring myself to follow up on that, David. Yeah. I, I said, okay, thank, thank you, Monty. Well, good, best of, best of luck to you with that. Uh, but, but you know, so to me, it was, it was good for the Titans that he's back out there. But wow, what, a, what a, more of a question mark now that he wasn't injured and missed that time. Than, than if he was just a regular injury and 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 sat out. So to me, those those developments, in a lot of ways, were were even bigger than some of the cuts that we saw. Yeah, they Rice's answer to you certainly calls into question. I think, and and again, it, it's a it it's open to broad interpretation. I yeah. guess. I mean, it, it sure. could mean it, it could mean any number of things, but certainly one of the things it could mean is he's questioning how much he wants to play football. And, uh, and, you know, one thing that Mike Vrabel says unfailingly is he is interested in guys for whom football is important. You know, that they, they, he, he talks about it in, in, at great length, at least once or twice a year that, you know, it's too hard a game that, that there, there's going to be moments that if you don't love it, there's no way you can, you can produce at the level you need to. So I assume that is, uh, I, 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 and again, I guess maybe it's dangerous to assume given, given what you just, uh, what you just recounted, but, uh, it, you know, there have to have been conversations with, you know, are you good? Are, you know, can we count on you when the time comes? Because, you know, Monty Rice is a guy who's always, when he's been out there, he's played like a guy who loves it and, and enjoys the, the physicality and the violence of it and, and plays at full speed and, and does those sorts of things. So if he's, uh, if he's questioning that in any way, I think, uh, I think it'll show when, when we get to see him. The, the Traylon Burks thing is good news. Of course, the bad news about that, I, I, I neglected to mention this among the bevy of other things is that uh, Kyle Phillips was placed on injured reserve meaning he's going to miss at least the first four games of the season uh, but I should, I should say real quick David uh, yeah. technically he has not gone on IR yet, yet. The, the report is that he he will be will. we assume that will happen you know tomorrow but technically not but anyway go ahead it, it, it's okay yes it, it's not official at this point but that that seems to be where things are heading and uh you know there was there was some speculation i think we talked about it the possibility that, that the same thing could be true at Traylon burke so the fact that that you know you're going to have one of those guys is is a, a whole lot better than than having neither of those guys and uh and yeah there there must be something about the treatment of knee injuries these days you know when a when a trailing burks can not only get back on the field and be confident and 
loose enough that he's jumping and making one hand catches and doing those sorts of things. And, and Bill and Raiden's is back there with no brace. Not, you know, I mean, we, we should be, we should, we should start to become numb to this sort of stuff. I mean, we saw Bud Dupree come back quickly a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, Robert Woods last year was, was the same sort of way. I mean, eventually I guess we're going to have to stop marveling at these, uh, these returns these guys are making from these serious knee injuries. But, uh, um, the other thing that, uh, that I neglected to mention, which of course is, uh, very important. Well, we, we, I hinted at it. The Titans traded with the New England Patriots, gave up a 2025 seventh round pick for veteran kicker Nick Folk. And, uh, when they, when they announced their practice squad, 15 of their 16 spots were filled. The 16th spot, according to many reports, again, this is, as we record this, it's not been officially released by the team, but uh, Cade York, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, will be uh, will be getting that spot. Uh, you know, John, I, I, I talked about it last week. I said, I'm not sure Mike Vrabel knows what he wants in a kicker, the way, the way we've seen this team cycle through them. But, but as I've thought about it in the wake of this folk move, maybe he does. I mean, you, you look at this, he took over in 2018. At that time, Ryan Suckup was 32 years old and had been in the league a while, including with the Titans for a while. He was, he was supposed to be the kicker again in 2019. Obviously injuries changed that. You go to 2020, Steven Goskowski at 36 years old comes in here. The next year, Randy Bullock quickly settles into that job at 32 years old. And now you've got 38 year old Nick Folk coming in here. So maybe. Maybe Vrabel want, just wants guys who have done it and feels like, okay, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it seems like the polar opposite of the punter situation because it was clear what he wanted from a punter was somebody who could just bomb that thing and, and flip the field at any time. He he wasn't as enamored with Brett Kern's precision as a lot of us were and, or a lot of others were, I think. And, uh, in, in this well, case, now it, he it's, seems to want Ryan Stonehouse to do that. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it, you know, in, in this case, clearly a 38 year old is, is, is not a guy who's probably going to be bombing the ball into the end zone on every kickoff and whatnot, but, but a, a proven, a proven performer in this league, a guy that I would think if the, if he has to make a kick late in the game, He's been there, done that. You can you can trust him. It, it. I mean, are we are we assuming York or I mean, uh, not your excuse me. Uh, Folk is the guy in their minds from uh, for the you know barring a disaster, a Michael Badgley like disaster. I, I mean, or do you think York, who was a draft pick of the Cleveland Browns last year, got off to a good start before struggling and then struggling this preseason? Do, do, do you think maybe they could be enamored with him and they want to take a, you know, they, that we could see a change at some point? Yeah, I think certainly the, the number one option is, is obviously Nick Folk. I mean, they, they give up a, uh, you know, not, not a lot, but they do give up a, a 2025 seventh round draft pick uh, to bring him here. And, you know, it's just, it's, we've talked about the, the kicking situation for the Titans a lot, but it's just such a, you know, uh, exasperating uh, situation. You know, you, you look back at what they did during the off season. They they cut Randy Bullock. You know, who, who the numbers weren't bad uh, for Randy Bullock last year, but they were going to save two million dollars against the cap. 
you know, and and uh, that that certainly you know combined with you know maybe less than a, a leg than they wanted, that was enough to say goodbye to to Randy Bullock. So by the time this whole thing wheels around, now they're giving up a draft pick and paying two point eight million dollars, which is Nick Folk's salary for this year, uh, to to bring in a guy to fix the problem. Uh, you know that they had cutting Randy Bullock and saving two million dollars. Uh, so. Yeah, but I mean, Nick Folk, as you said, he's he's 38. Uh, he's done it for 15 years. The numbers were good last year, not spectacular. Um, 32 out of 37 all, overall. I think what's intriguing, 14 of 19 from 40 plus and four of five included in that four of five from 50 plus. And, and that's kind of been a shortcoming, no pun intended, <laughs> of, of, of Titans kickers here recently is an inability to, to get the long ball uh, there. You know, but he missed three extra points, um, you know, which is never a good sign. And then, you know, only three of his 33 kickoffs were went for touchbacks last year. It's a terrible percentage. And I've heard it said, I I, I need to research it more myself, you know, maybe the Patriots were, were playing that kind of special teams where they didn't want a touchback, where they wanted to trap guys, you know, you know, before they got out to the to the 25. Um, but they also gave up, I want to say they gave up two or three um, uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns. So if that was the case, that, that strategy didn't pan out uh, very well. So, But but to get back to your original question, I think certainly he is the guy, um, uh, you know, to get the first shot. But now they've got a, a legitimate backup plan, uh, a guy who, who has a little bit of experience anyway, and a guy who maybe has a future too. You know, if, if Nick Folk, I think this is a, a is a yeah, he's in the last year of his contract. So maybe they look at Cade York as both a backup plan and a future. You know, uh, after after Nick Folk is done. Yeah, well, it, it's a, it, it's always an adventure. It seems like with the Titans at this position, it, it I, I'm you know, maybe I'm wrong, but it or may, or maybe I'm just I guess maybe I'm shaped by the last few years. It feels like, well, this is this is not the last time we're going to be talking about kicker transactions on this podcast it just it just doesn't seem like that's possible for this team I I mentioned the three quarterbacks are on the roster of course Ryan Tannehill who had a spectacular showing in the preseason finale um and then Malik Willis and Will Levis and and I think I think number one you have to say Malik Willis is one of the big winners of the preseason for the Titans in that uh you know I don't think there was any way you could say his roster spot was guaranteed at the start of training camp and, and going into the preseason games. But uh, the fact that Will Levis got got hurt, couldn't play the last two games, the fact that, that Willis played virtually every snap of those two games, except for the three that uh, Ryan Tannehill opened the game against Patriots with and, and, an, and an assorted couple by Mason Kinsey and some Wildcat type stuff. But uh um, you know, Mike Vrabel actually heaped some praise on Malik Willis following the New England game, saying, uh, you know, which, which Willis again was far from perfect, but uh, but Vrabel talked about his competitiveness and and the way he came back and battled back from mistakes and and like that. And uh, the next day, he said he said, of course, that he had not seen enough from Will Levis to say. Yes, he is my number two quarterback going into the regular season. So I guess my my next question to you, John, is can Will Levis show enough in two weeks of practice before the opener 
to to be the number two going into New Orleans, or uh, or, or is that going to be probably a fluid situation? You think through the first few weeks of the regular season? I think it's hard to do that in two weeks or a week and a half, really, of, of practices. Uh, you know, when when you've missed the last couple of preseason games, but that's what kind of surprised me most about what Mike Vrabel said when when he didn't. You know, when when asked, can you say definitively that Malik is your number two? You know, the answer was was no. Uh, you know, and and that surprised me because he's coming off, uh, you know, a, a productive game. Um, you know, in which he did earn some praise. He was he did play, you know, two and a half of the three games, and Will Levis played one half of the game. So I I don't know. I, I that to me was was certainly a little jarring. Um, that if you can't say now that Willis is your number two in this situation, I don't know. That, that seems to me doesn't seem to be a good uh, pat on the back uh, re- regarding Malik Willis. And, you know, I, I thought his preseason is it, it, tough to evaluate in some ways because, yes, there, there's progress. There's definitely progress from where he was last year. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, um, he's much, much better. Um and if and if if he was only if he was doing that in a vacuum by himself, that would be great news for the Titans. The issue, though, is they need a backup quarterback who can come in and at least keep them competitive. And has he advanced to that point? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, you look at uh, the turnover situation. Uh, you know that, that he had in the preseason. Again, that was those two and a half games. He had four interceptions and he fumbled the ball four times, you know, and, and you know, he lost one of them, but still could have could have lost others. Um, so you know that that uh, that is a concern. And and you mentioned the 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 last preseason game, you know, the issue was a hey, it was great. He, he bounced back. He he showed you know resiliency. Uh, he didn't give up. He, he he proved that he could be better after making mistakes. But at some point, you can't be making that mistake. That mistake. That mistake that requires you bounce back either so yeah I, I think it could be a fluid fluid situation even though i don't it's hard for me to see levis making up ground in a week and a half uh, you know uh, i guess mike Vrabel leaves us that option right when he when he doesn't say there's a definitive number two at this point yeah i i think that's right i, I mean that's that's going to be one of the more dramatic i guess pre-kickoff developments we've seen in in a while here in terms of the new orleans game who is going to be designated third quarterback because it it's going to be it's going to be telling in a number of fronts and uh and i look forward to that i i gotta ask you though i know you asked mike vrabel after the game and and you you know you didn't get much of an answer he didn't he didn't seem to feel interested in expounding but uh what was the point of Ryan Tannehill going out there against the Patriots and handing off three times? Got me. You got, I'm, I'm completely baffled. You know, obviously you can see playing Ryan Tannehill, if he's going to go out there and throw a pass or two, play a series or two, uh, then it makes a little sense. The only thing that I can think, and I've also heard all kinds of wacky theories, uh, you know, there there's some theories that, like, by, by kind of letting people know in advance that Ryan Tannehill might be playing Maybe the Titans were looking to draw more fans, which I think is absurd because, you know, it's a, a preseason game. B, they knew he wasn't going to play very long. C, it was 100 degrees or something like that at the time of the kickoff. But the only thing I, I can uh, think is, okay, you've got your new offensive coordinator and Tim Kelly. There's a new guy telling you, 
okay, we're going to do this in the play call, you know, it's going to be in your ear. So maybe it's just, it's an opportunity to kind of run through that for a few plays, make sure there are no kinks, make sure everybody is understanding one another. That that is the only um, reason I I can think the only benefit, uh, you know, from it other than that, I, I, I'm kind of baffled. I, I thought maybe Tannehill said, hey, I'd like to go through pregame. I want to go through warm-ups. I want to go – I just want to get that under my belt, do all that, go out and play a series. And, uh, you know, they hand it off the first two times. You, you figure, okay, a pass on third down, but then there's a penalty, backs them up. Now it's an obvious passing situation, and they just hand it off again. And I, I think the feeling was, okay, he's got to come back out for another series and, and throw a pass, and uh, and, and he didn't. You know, when, and, and I, you know, I laugh, but, he, you know, you asked – asked Vrabel after the game he said you know was the plan for Ryan about three plays or what and he said yeah three and you know like that that was all they wanted to do I mean and and uh it it was it it I I mean I I assume there was some benefit to it but uh you know those those are a couple a, a couple possible ones but uh I I thought even if he was going to play DeAndre Hopkins would be out there too and you know maybe the first play they'd throw you know they'd call a play for Tannehill to throw to Hopkins so those two can say there you know we've hooked up we've got a connection the people in the stands get excited and and then you know hand off the rest of the time and get you know get out of there but uh I, I think, uh, you know, the, clearly they're worried about him taking hits. And, and, you know, even in a preseason game, they didn't want him touched. And and maybe in retrospect, it was a uh, it, it was a good thing because the starting offensive line, after having built some some confidence, some goodwill, maybe through the, the first two preseason games looked completely different in uh in this one for the most part and i and i think there there's a there's a greater sense of pessimism about what might happen now when teams are actually game planning and and blitzing more and doing you know throwing the full weight of their uh their schemes at, at this unit do, do, did you sense that too johnny do you think that uh that 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 line spent a good bit of, the, of its goodwill with that performance on on saturday night to some degree, I, I think that was the case, uh, you know, in, in a small sample size in those first two preseason games, you know, things had gone pretty well for that that first team offensive line, um, you know, and, and I think in I, I, the biggest concern to me in the offensive line coming into preseason or coming into training camp, you know, was pass protection after so many sacks allowed last year and, and you know, of course, Tannehill uh, getting, getting hurt. Uh, um, and I think for the most part, you know, they, they were decent in, in pass protection. You know, it was really the backups that suffered the, the eight sacks and that, that opener against Chicago. So pass pro, you know, okay, but boy, in that, in that game against the Patriots, and, and we also need to point out that New England, you know, played very few first teamers, uh, as well on, on defense. So it wasn't as a case of going head to head ones versus ones. They were going against backups primarily, and there were zero holes. Uh, for the running backs, uh, you know, for those first two or three series. Uh, so I think that was definitely concerning. And, you know, Mike Vrabel talked about the need to get off to a better start. And, and um, you know, when he was talking about the offensive line, I kind of, you know, asked some of the offensive linemen, is that is that more, you know, an, an attitude uh, out there? Or or is that about assignments? And, and, you know, there's a sense that there was, it was kind of both 
um, that they didn't do things as well as they needed to do, uh, you know, and just having that whole mindset of, of uh, you know, imposing your will on the defensive line was not something that we saw. And that's something that's going to have to to pick up certainly by the time we hit uh, September 10th and the, and the opener against New Orleans. And, and as we wrap this up, you know, we'll, we'll stick to, uh, or get back maybe a little bit to, to roster construction here. And I'll ask you for, for sort of one final thought. My, my final thought as I looked at this is, and I, I think maybe this is, this is more a Rand Carthen effect than a, than a Mike Vrabel effect. I've always felt uh, the last few years that Vrabel was shaped by his time at Ohio state and, uh, and is enamored with those, you know, those guys coming from elite programs, you know, all other things being equal. You look at, uh, you look at a couple of the guys who who made the roster this year. And and, uh, I mentioned Caleb Murphy, who was an effective pass rusher throughout. This is a guy from division two Ferris state who was the, uh, who was the Division II National Player of the Year. You look at a guy like cornerback Anthony Kendall out of Baldwin-Wallace College and uh, uh, even Matthew Jackson, the, the local kid we mentioned earlier, out of Eastern Kentucky University. It, it seems like all of a sudden there's there's more of a willingness to say, hey, it doesn't matter the, the level of competition these guys played against you know we we see what they can do and, and it'll translate to the nfl so i think uh i think that was maybe one of the one of the more intriguing developments of this roster too what what would be your uh your final thought here john as as you look at this thing yeah um you know i, I thought it was interesting some of the guys that they kept you, you talked about some you know another guy uh otis reese the fourth i i don't think was making a whole lot of rosters and then the projections out there but he's it's an interesting case because this is a guy who played safety at Ole miss and he's six three uh 214 pounds and now he's basically playing linebacker you know so he's donald which, trump he, he's donald yeah. trump in pads is what you're saying yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> right yeah perhaps a little bit the miss uh misinformation there on the, on the weight or, or but uh anyway that's what they're trying to move him into so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes but he's got great special teams, you know, uh, potential. Uh, the other guys you mentioned, the, the the local connection, Matthew Jackson, huge, huge for him. And again, another one who's saying, "Look what I can do for you on special team. I'm a great athlete." You know, those were those were his big uh, attributes as well. But still, I you know, if if there are concerns, you know, there are positional concerns. I I, I think you, we talked about offensive line. I think safety is another one, uh, you know, we've talked about it a few times, but the depth at safety, uh, you know, you've got your starters, uh, Byard and Hooker, two of the best, but your three guys behind that, Molden, Mike Brown, and now Matthew Jackson, not a one of them has played an NFL snap at safety. Uh, so it'll be interesting, uh, even though Molden played a little hybrid, uh, but but um, interesting to see what happens depth-wise there. Yeah, it. uh uh, but th- this is this is what this team is going into week one, and uh, and next week will be week one. We will have our sights set squarely on the game against the Saints, and uh, and and be looking very much ahead to that. We will have Denard Walker back with us then. Until then, John Glennon, thanks as always. Thank you, David. And I am David Beauclair. This is the Believe in Titans podcast. We thank you all for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.